0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: Presidents wield crazy amounts of power to try to influence our tax consequences. And where those tax dollars go that we're spending, are the wealthy getting taxed, are the poor getting taxed, is no one getting taxed, is everyone getting taxed? Those tax dollars eventually go to a big old vat of our government spending. Government spending and private sector spending make up our spending. As an investor, you can go after companies that get government contracts, Think of the defense contractors as the most obvious. But, of course, there's cement companies. There's companies uh, that supply furniture for the borders where you're going to separate families. Or you're going to say, oh, the kids need to sleep away from their parents. They need beds. And those government contracts are big dollars to companies that make beds. Some of them are publicly traded like Wayfair where the employees of Wayfair got upset because they're like, wait, 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 our furnitures going to the Texas border and they're putting little children in beds and they're separating their parents and the employees got really upset? Blame the millennials for being the, the, the age bracket to actually give a damn about where they work and the consequences of it. I had to give a speech a few years ago at a big credit card company. And they're very conscious that they're a big credit card company. They got a lot of employees. They have a very diverse workforce. Awesome. They will hire a person with a philosophy degree, and you're like, "But your visa? Oh, I'm not. I shouldn't say the name. But your visa? <laughs> Why are you hiring someone with a philosophy degree?" And it's like, "Well, we want a diverse workforce. We don't want everyone to be MBAs." I love it. But what? They told me was, we have a millennial workforce, we have a Generation X workforce, and we have a baby boomer workforce. We want you to give three different speeches. We'll bring in one crowd earlier, and boy, oh boy, were they different crowds. The baby boomers who are close to retirement... They wanted to know, is this bull market going to continue, and is the housing market going to continue? Because we have a big chunk of our money in a 401k, and we've got five to ten years left. We just want to sell at the right time. Generation Xers were like, I don't know. Should we be buying these Facebooks and Google companies? Like, They're kind of not the Intels and Microsofts that we grew up on in technology. And the millennials were like, we don't want to do anything that uh, hurts me at all. <laughs> And I'm like, what did you say? It's all the millennial women had vocal fry. And I know you're saying, you are not painting all women with vocal fry. Just the millennials, and I'm just trying to be funny. Right? Uh,
0: Good. uh,
1: I really want to be a banker. (laughs) Like, Wait, wait. You really say it like this. I want to be a banker. And she'd go, I want to be a banker. (laughs) So the millennials had this idea and this concept of let's save the world. And it took me a while to get used to that as an investor. Like, I got technology. I got video games. I I got social media. I got Web 1.0. I got productivity. I get a lot of concepts. But the millennials wanting companies not to be as profitable as they can be and instead to give back to society kind of took me forth a loop-de-loop. Now, again, I dated a millennial at one point, I think. And she had no groceries in her, her her pantry. And I'm like, I. she's 10 years younger than me. I'm like, I have groceries. You don't have groceries? She's like, no, I have groceries. Um, she wants fresh food. And I was like, oh, so I should be investing in sprouts. Because you're only going to buy fresh food from a fresh market, right? And she's like, yeah. So I I started opening the doors to, like, investment ideas, right? So they care about things, and that's why the presidency is going to matter. Because this president's different than the last president. The last president, if you're a Republican investor, you're like, I know exactly what to do. Let's go into the tax cut investments, and let's go into the playbook on on Space Force. Space Force. (laughs) Space Force. So different presidents are going to lean different ways. This one's going to be clean energy. We know that. The question is, there's there's theories that Trump's going to start a political party called the Patriot Party, which, for the record, a guy named Ross Perot did something very similar to that, and it was disastrous for Republicans because it split the vote. Same concept could happen going forward with the Democrats and the Republicans. If Trump is successful in setting up a Patriot Party— And let's say the Democrats, uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, gets upset with the old people like Biden and says, no, no, you don't get it. We don't want that. We want this. Maybe she splits and starts like a socialist party. I would be the happiest man in the world to have four political parties in the United States. It'd be more representative of the United States than two. But that's way ahead of ourselves at this point in time. Let's just say now is a good time to brush up on your environmentally friendly investments. Because I expect the tax dollars generated in the next three to four years to first go into COVID um, job creation. Then to go into an infrastructure job creation. And then we're going to pay for that with probably higher taxes. Will it be sweeping in either direction? I don't think so. I don't think we have the political moxie at this point in time to really push through any great initiatives. I think there'll be a lot of compromises. Again, I'm not a political hack. If you want that, there's, there's stations for that. Uh, I'm just trying to get you to retirement. Beg, steal, or borrow. That's the name of my game. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Netflix had a great quarter unbelievable with that said it looks like summertime is the time when we could probably go to a movie late summer i'm gonna circle august 1 as rob's gonna go to a movie theater get some butter popcorn and maybe drag some of you guys along with me let's all go to the lobby let's Let's all go go to go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat and as soon as we go to the movie theater, I think Netflix becomes a little less desirable. Or in this case, maybe six months before we go to a movie theater. Because Wall Street's a discounting mechanism. Now, again, that doesn't mean sell it. It just means the the, the runway is getting a little bit shorter. The ease of the s- smooth landing or the smooth takeoff gets a little bit more, oh, that's going to be interesting to see how we pull off next year. But it's going to be that... that cruise that your parents go on or the movie that you take your kids to or the football game that you take your buddy to get really drunk get locked up in a prison cell and you're like i didn't even know they had prison cells in, in football stadiums Well oh, they do at raiders games when i learned that the raider stadium had jail cells oakland coliseum i was like that's hardcore maybe all of them do i don't know Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. You guys may have curiosity. Like, I'd really like to do Rob's job. He gets to talk on radio and say cool things. That's true. That's true. I'd really like her job. She gets to play a piano and sing pop songs. Um. It's always greener on the other side, right? The grass. Uh, but I, I can't wait to get back to live music. And again, it sucks because we've lost, for most of us, we've lost, what, 2 to 3% of our life in COVID. You know, just staying locked up and not watching, not doing what we want to do. And some of us have done it in flagrantly, you know said, oh, I'm healthy, I'm young, I got my vitamin D, I got my sunshine, but I could put others at risk. And we're learning, that's not cool. Isn't it kind of interesting? Um, I was listening to a doctor yesterday. Oh, and I went for a physical this week, last week. And I was like, so you think we're going to be wearing masks a year from now? He's like, yeah, we're, we're going to be wearing a mask a year from now. I'm like, oh, you're discouraging me. And he goes, you'll probably never, ever come to a doctor's visit again without the doctor in a mask and without some sort of PPE stuff on. A, you'll be safer. B, he'll be safer. C, all the patients in the hospital will be safer. And I'm like, really? And the answer is, yes. And stop saying it like that, Rob. Really? Oh, the pandemic's taking its toll, is it not? I'm Rob Black, talking to All Things Financial. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, this is a show dedicated to getting you to retirement. I don't know why, but I think that's an issue. I don't think society's doing a good enough job of it. I don't know why I had that urge when I was 18 to do a a 180 career twist, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to work in Hollywood full-time. I it to work in movies and plays, and I wanted to be kind of an Aaron Sorkin of my time. I had a college professor say, you know, hey, you're going to be an amazing writer, and you're going to write the great American novel. Just know that it may not be until you're 45. And now that I'm past 45 years old, I'm like, dang. He wanted me to struggle for 20 years. I'm like, struggle is not in me. I wanted to be immediacy, so to speak. So, I started doing what I did well, research and putting puzzles together. And that is an amazing quality if you're going to be a successful investor. Uh, you have to have the patience to sit at a table for a long period of time and put together puzzle pieces. Disney said yesterday something fascinating. I've never been to Disney World or Disneyland, and I own shares of Disney. When I was growing up, I wanted to go to Disneyland and Disney World. I've got children; they've never been to Disneyland or Disney World. Is that? Am I going to get sued for parental abuse, child abuse? Probably. But I'm going to give my shares, kids of Disney, one day when they go into the job market and say, "Hey, if you want to go on vacation before you start a job, great. If you want to take your lovely spouse to Europe for a month on a honeymoon, great. Here's some Disney stock." But Disney did something yesterday that I'm going to have to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Now, again, I've got a pretty good understanding of Disney right now. I get the concept that they got Cinderella to go to work when she was 17 years old cleaning houses. And I get that they pull her out of the vault every few years, and suddenly she's 17 years old again. And she's this beautiful, charming young lady who's pretty good at cleaning floors. There's a lot to be said for that skill set. She's got some evil stepsisters and a stepmother who don't really want her to succeed because she happens to be prettier. They actually have noses driven to look like pigs, which, how shall we say, is shocking. But I get Disney. I get the fact that when I was a kid, I wanted to marry Cinderella. I wanted to be a Prince Charming. I kind of don't think I am. I'm a kind of a, a puffy white guy in a hoodie. One day soon, your friends will come. And he's going to be wearing a hoodie. He needs to be puffy. And he needs to be tat-free because he's afraid of tattoos. So Disneyland and Disney California Adventure was a dream of mine as a child. My kids like studied the park layout to figure out what rides they would go on first. And I just I've never been able to put it together and go. If I did, well, first and foremost... I knew a girl who got engaged at Disneyland. I'm like, that marriage is never going to work. You need to get out of it right now. Men should not be getting engaged at Disneyland. They should be taking a beautiful woman to Hawaii or Mexico or waterfalls in South Africa. That place in Croatia that's got the cascading waterfalls, it's really cool. And you're like, Croatia? Yeah, it's been in Game of Thrones. It's a big tourist destination. A lot of people get engaged there because it's terribly. Big. It's like Victoria Falls of Europe, of Croatia. Like, It's awesome. But Disney's always been a magical thing to me because of Cinderella. And I understood Disney's business model early on when VHS cassettes, when you had a VCR and Disney would run commercials during Saturday morning cartoons. Hey, kids, we're re-releasing Cinderella. We're bringing her out of the vault. I'm like, you locked her up in a vault? Yes. So they've re-released the movie. They've digitized it. Oh, so you buy the digitized version. Then you buy the VHS version. Then you buy the Blu-ray version. Then you buy the Laserdisc version. Then you buy the, you watch it on HBO pay-per-view. And then they make a real version of it. Then you buy the DVD version of the action. And then you buy, and it's the same freaking fragging story. The same 19-year-old girl who can clean floors. There are a bunch of characters. Some kids like Minnie Mouse. I don't get it. It's a rat. Some people like Mickey Mouse. I don't get it. He's a pest. Goofy? I don't even know what the hell to say about Goofy. You know, on occasion, there would be like a Disney character that I can get behind, but Chippendale, like, aren't they dancers? No, no, they're squirrels in this case, or chipmunks. I don't even know. But the power of Disney is the power that I've known about them since I was a child, and I was fascinated by it. And my children's children will be fascinated by it. But Disney did something yesterday that it's going to take me a little bit of time to digest to put the puzzle pieces together. Disneyland and Disney California theme parks. They remain closed due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Once they open, there will be a massive change. They're both ending their long-running annual pass program. I'm like, how many times do you have to go to Disney? I never understood that because I've never been. But I know grown adults who get the pass. And I'm like, why are they getting rid of the pass? Because there's more money getting people into the park individually. For nearly four decades, their annual passport program has been an important part of connecting with some of their most valued guests, the big whale spenders. They're going to look for turnover, 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 churn, churn, churn for the first couple years. Then they'll introduce the pass holder back. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. I used to live in Washington, D.C., and when there was a president, and there was a parade. You're like, ah, oh, dang, there's a parade. Stay off the streets today. Like, you got upset because it clogged traffic. Living in New York City is the worst because the amount of parades that go on there, but not during a pandemic. Everything's virtual. So AGR is playing one of the inaugural balls tonight, which is good for them. Can you imagine how cool that would be if you're a parent and your kid plays for the president? Like, woo. Life is good, so to speak. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. I've talked a lot about Disney today and Netflix. Um, shipping rates are soaring, and I think it's something we should pay attention to. It's inflationary. It's an inflationary lesson. I remember going into a UPS store pre-COVID, and I, I might have been returning something. Amazon's making returns like, just get it to UPS. You don't even have to box it up. We'll figure that out on our end or their end. Like they're, Everyone's trying to figure out the cost structure of shipping. Anything that is shipped to you for now for $10 or cheaper, and if you don't like it, they're typically saying, just keep it. So it's not lost on me, and this is stuff that I track. Shipping costs. We are a nation. We're not minimalist in any way, shape, or form. In the 50s and 60s, we were more minimalist. Uh, But shipping rates are going up, and what does that tell us? Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing well, thank you. Um, lot's going on today with an inauguration. Um, I've kind of made it a theme of the show, um, out with the old and with the new, same thing could happen at the start of the year with investments thing, thing could happen with investments at the start of a new presidency. What's your take on the transition of power that we're seeing today? And what do you expect from wall street in the coming years? Well, it's obviously a historic day. Um, it's great to see just, uh, I think as an American,
0: then and- See this uh, uh, peaceful ordeal take place today, and um, it's fascinating in a number of respects. And, and obviously, I think from an investor standpoint, um, there's a great amount of curiosity involved, right? Um, this president, Joe Biden, is going to be in office for four years. He's going to have his own set of policies. Uh, And uh, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, on the campaign trail and since uh, he became uh, president-elect. And now it's time to see what actually gets, um, you know, implemented and the market will react accordingly. But you know, we can all take a step back and just look at what the market has done since election day, right, and um, and even what it's done since the Georgia election on January 5th, right? We're sitting at an all-time high today as we speak on the S&P 500. So the market has not been um, uh, unnerved, if you will, by what it thinks might be coming down the policy uh, road, Um as it's just continued, I think, to really be underpinned by this abiding belief and support and and the positive influence of fiscal and monetary stimulus and what it can do for the economy uh, and earning growth.
1: Um, Congress is not exactly strongly democratic, but they've got control, but barely. Do you expect it to be kind of um, a... big, big, big time into clean energy, big, big, big time into infrastructure, do you think anything big is going to happen with this administration, in the spending, or should we have muted expectations going forward? It's a great
0: question, Rob, and I wish I had a, a really great answer for you. Fair, that's totally um, fair. And, and, the reason, and the reason I'm uh, hesitant to, to say anything is because I think we all recognize, too, that you know, uh, the U.S. Is, has spent a lot of money, uh, already, right? Our, our deficits just growing by the day, debt is increasing by the day, um, and, and it's been necessary through this pandemic, right? Um, and now you want to take on these, you know, huge, proposals that really should have been tackled, you know, maybe several administrations ago for that matter. Um, trying to get a huge infrastructure spending bill passed. Um, I think we can all acknowledge that the country's infrastructure could be upgraded and improved, but will it be politically feasible? It's, it's, it's really difficult to answer that question um, because you know, you do have a split Congress and uh I'm not sorry, you you do have a very narrow majority there and um you know, and it's not gonna be easy to get these things passed, uh, knowing that we've you know, we've we've done so much already to add to the to the deficit, uh, by way of the stimulus that's been provided
1: to help us get through this pandemic period. I'm reading from your page one article today at briefing.com, and you mentioned Netflix has been a big driver of relative strength in the NASDAQ 100 futures. They're up 13-plus percent today. Are you surprised that a company as big as Netflix, as well-known as Netflix, as as big of a year that they had in 2020, are you surprised that they can still move 13%? Because that's a, athletically, that's a pretty impressive jump for someone who's a little bit more on the mature side. I have to say I'm not surprised
0: one bit. Okay. <laughs> um, in, this, in this market, right? Oh, uh, okay. The market flush with liquidity. Uh, Netflix, you know, is one of those favored momentum plays when it when it's doing some good things, and uh, the company obviously, you know, had a lot of good to report uh, coming out of that fourth quarter, and and the, you know, the acknowledgement that it thinks it's going to, you know, be at a point where it doesn't need to tap, you know, capital markets to run its day-to-day operations is a a huge proclamation, and so, uh, so I get the, you know, what many, well, what some people might view as an overreaction, but uh, but I'm not surprised. It's just when you see how these, not just the stock like Netflix, but many of these other stocks uh, we've been watching over the weeks and months, how they just have these outsized reactions to uh, to positive news, uh, because the market is just um, you know keeps feeling it and is being driven by animal spirits.
1: With that said, we are in earnings season. We're talking about Netflix earnings. So far, the financials have had a good report with Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. I oftentimes say on this show, I like the financials to lead because, well, they lend money. And lending money is the start of developing business models and taking risks and coming up with new innovations, creating more productivity, creating more product demand. What's your commentary on financials? this earning season and can you do something like i just did and say you want them because they're important to the economy, or you, you should overlook them because there's more competition than ever. Like, what's your opinion on financials per se?
0: Yeah, Robert. You know, I kind of fall along the lines of, of, of how you look at it and what you just what you just said. I mean, you, re- you do want the financials, the banks to do well because when they're doing well, um, then you you, you get a, a, a good sense that the, the broader economy is doing well because they are engines of capital formation, uh, business formation. Um, um, uh, you know loan demand all of that right and so uh, so when their earnings are growing uh, ideally from the top line um, then uh, then it's a good it's a good thing you know now the reaction to these earnings reports has been pretty muted and actually somewhat negative in a number of respects but keep in mind that a lot of these stocks had risen 40 50 60 percent since the end of October so it's, it's a pretty typical sell the news response versus a stock like Netflix which you just talked about which was kind of tracking sideways and hadn't been going anywhere for a while, and, and lo and behold, it comes in with a good, fundamentally good report. Yeah. And you see the reaction that you see in that,
1: in that stock. <laughs> I was interested in Netflix because yesterday, one of the first things coming out of their earnings headline was they're going to start doing buybacks maybe next year. You're like, well, Mm -hmm. that's a transition, speaking of transition of presidency and transition of a new year for the stock market. But that's also a transition when a company goes from growing rapidly, borrowing money, to growing rapidly and earning money. And maybe they'll slow down their growth, but they'll give some of that money to shareholders. Um, It's kind of a nice life cycle to see a Netflix say, we don't need to borrow money anymore. And in fact, we may even buy back shares. I kind of like seeing it. Anything else in the yeah. markets that are getting your bluster, or your ire going today? Well, I mean, like like I said at the top of the interview, I mean, it, it, the S
0: P five hundred is an all time high, <laughs> and it's uh, it's well really said. remarkable. It, it's been extremely resilient. You know, we haven't you know quote really gone anywhere over the last few weeks; kind of been tracking sideways. But but that alone is somewhat of a, a bullish move because we had such a strong move off that you know October uh, since since the beginning of October really and. Um, and, and you're not seeing, you know, a rush for the exits, right? There's still money that's rotating within the market, and uh, and that's that's characteristic of a bullish-minded market. And so I'm continuing to watch, you know, the, the resiliency of the S and P 500 that can kind of set a foundation here, maybe for another leg higher, um, albeit always vulnerable to that proverbial pullback that I think we all think is overdue, but. But I think it's it's a pullback that would continue to be bought based on the uh, the action that we're seeing uh, as of now.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. We've got thirty seconds. Any last quick thoughts for us, sir? Um, well, you know, I
0: think uh, we saw yesterday with uh, Janet Yellen, you know, the nominee for Treasury Secretary, uh, kind of gave the market a little bit of a, of a lift up, too, just with the, the notion that uh, it doesn't sound like the Biden administration is going to be quick to, to run out and raise taxes just yet. You know, it's something that they probably will ultimately want to do, but job number one is taking care of the, of the virus. And so I think the market got a little bit of reprieve from that admission. So something to keep an eye on there as it relates to uh,
1: tax policy. Always appreciate you joining us. You're starting the new year strong. Thanks very much. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Going to be starting up a new podcast, it's going to be a little bit more strategy, tactics, tips, hints, insights. A little less, oh, Starbucks came out with a good quarter, Netflix came out with a bad quarter. Like, it's going to be a little less movement on that level. I hope that's okay. Taking a look at some of the stories out there, one of the big stories of 2020, if you have not picked up on it, I want you to, is Shopify. Shopify is a little bit different than Amazon, but it's worth a lot less than Amazon, and yet it's in the same realm as Amazon. Should you buy it? I don't have an answer for you. Is it an idea? It's an idea. I like coming up with lots and lots of ideas and having a shopping list, so to speak. But again, you're going to have to figure out this all out for you, too. Clean energy is going to be a big thing in the year 2021 and 2022, in my opinion. The gig worker is something we're still talking about. I'm totally fine with people having second jobs and third jobs. Back when we were in more normalized times, and people would call my show, and we used to get 20 calls an hour. That's the difference of talk radio 10 years ago versus talk radio today. 30 years ago, you'd get 30 calls an hour. People would call the show and like, hey, Rob, I'm uh, 60 years old. I just started investing. I'm like, ooh, you're going to work till the day you die. He's like, that's not what I was calling about. (laughs) And I'm like, but you're going to work till the day you die. Um. Things have changed a little bit. If I were 40, 50, 60, and I started late, in a more normalized times, I would say deliver pizzas this weekend. I would say get, now I'm saying get a gig job. Be an Uber driver or Lyft and put 100% of what you make into your retirement. If you haven't saved at age 40, 50, 60, you're going to have to do something drastic. Otherwise, you're A, going to work till the day you die, which may not even be your option. I've got a brother, Clint. I know you're saying, your brother's Clint Black? Yes, and he's a junior, too. Um, he was one of those goofballs that grew up in the 70s and was a little bit of a hippie. And didn't quite get a four-year degree, but knew enough about programming to get into government work as a computer programmer. Which led to, which led to, which led to, he eventually goes over to uh, Saudi Arabia, works for an oil company, helping them find oil using computer data arrays. Which led to, which led to, 9-11, they said, well, you got to go back to the United States, sir, because you're a Caucasian American. You will get your head cut off in the Middle East. His company they worked for, Saudi Aramco, said, we can't protect you. You need to leave. And he said, Okay. Came back to the United States after living overseas for 15 years, and he was kind of lost. 50 years old. Um, No one wanted a 50-year-old programmer from Europe or the Middle East. So he had some age discrimination. He didn't save enough. So when he talked to me, I'm like, Clint, you're going to work till the day you die. Or you're going to hit the lottery. Speaking of which, I never advise playing the lottery as a retirement plan. If you want to spend 2 bucks to spend the whole afternoon talking to your wife about all the various places you're going to make love and all the various parts of the world you're going to see for the first time because you're going to be billionaires, I think that's $2 well spent on marriage counseling. Fine. I know you're saying if I make a billion, I'm leaving the wife behind. I'm going to go give myself a young bride. I used to say that on air. It's just not funny anymore. I used to say that I'm on a five-year plan where I'll get married for five years and I want another 25-year-old. And once she turns 30, I want another 25-year-old. And now that's just dark in a creepy, weird kind of way. But, yeah, if I don't have enough, I'm going to suggest working a weekend job. To get you to where you need to be. 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. New day, new president. Weird. Wall Street kinda have to go through a process of digesting this. Stocks should do a fine and a modestly inflationary, a modest inflationary environment. I was gonna say modestly inflating, but that's not how I wanted to say that moderately inflationary, modestly inflationary. That's a tough one for me to put together. So a couple strategies are coming out today saying, hey, next four years, we're going to be dealing with a recovered economy, not necessarily a strong economy. A strong economy creates more inflation. A strong economy means everyone's at work. Unemployment's at 4 to 5%. You're at 4% or 5%. You're not working at a job that you have to to put food on the table. You're working at a job where you're wanted and loved because everyone wants labor. There's a labor shortage in a hot economy, right, which creates inflation. You're able to tell your boss, take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. This guy over here is going to pay me 5% more. With that extra 5%, you go buy a, a snowmobile, you can't afford a snowmobile, but you're getting five percent more, and you're like, "Well, why save it for retirement? I'm young, I'm beautiful, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to buy a snowmobile." And suddenly, there's one less snowmobile out there. There's only a hundred snowmobiles on the planet now. There's ninety-nine, and suddenly, like someone wants another snowmobile, they're gonna. There's it's a scarcity thing, supply and demand. It, it creates inflation. No one is thinking we're going to an inflationary environment right now. Worse than inflation, deflation.